episode 288 of the Global From Asia podcast, Uncle Gary is back by popular demand. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Greetings from the Shenyang airport <laughs> i feel i do these intros while i'm on the road uh it's been an intense time just spent uh, most of the day with the kids before i head off to manila philippines to work closer with the alpha rock team for about a half a year and then back down chiang mai we have our cross-border summit november 19th and 20th of this year in chiang mai so i'm pretty excited about that and this week by popular demand, a lot of feedback I've gotten is they liked having my uncle, the blue collar guy that got, you know, went through uh, globalization and was on the wrong side of the trade. So he comes back on, he's been excited, you know, he got a little bit on Bloomberg with me and uh, likes to share his perspectives and he has a lot of them and they're very unique. So I hope you enjoy. Today is more about, you know, uh, insights in the economy and some some very unique perspectives that I think might help help listeners you know understand I know a lot of you actually agree with some of the stuff that he says and I just I like to kind of like give a voice like this a little bit more uh, reach so enjoy my uncle Gary we are making it happen cross-border summit fifth annual can you believe five years 2016 17 18 19 just passed and now we're coming to 2020 our first one outside of mainland china in chiang mai thailand save the date november 19th and 20th of 2020 hope to see you there and it's going to be an amazing one as always we're working really hard on getting unique and valuable speakers and a community of good business owners cross-border asia china all around the world i'm looking forward to it working hard all right back by popular demand <laughs> my uncle gary 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 garneau thanks for coming on again gary well thanks for having me on mike i appreciate it yeah so uh, i Ahead, We're going into Christmas recording this, um, but this show will go on after into January, about you know maybe mid January. So um, it'll be a twenty twenty. It'll be a new decade. Um, but today, you know, we talked last time kind of about trade war, and I, I don't know if you know the title I used. I called it the gutting of the American blue collar worker and. Uh, I'm trying to think of a title today. We don't have one, but we're going to talk about politics and the economy. And, you know, I always remember, actually, it was during the holidays when Gary, we would get together and, and you know, I would hear a lot of these insights and uh, perspectives. So, so, uh, but how have you been since the last time we were on the show? Say again? How how's things been since maybe last time? Uh, oh, oh, okay. We were also good, in Bloomberg. Good, feeling... Did you get to hear the interview with Shelley? And... Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, they really featured you. They had me throw in a few uh, comments. You know, me and my opinions. <laughs> I'm very opinionated. <laughs> well, yeah, it was great. It was great that we got got into that and. Um, but so you, yeah, you you were going to share about today because last time we didn't get into it, but politics and the economy, right? Yeah, we didn't talk. So I want to talk. 
ideas of solutions. You know, I'm, I want the audience to understand out there that I'm not an expert. I don't have a PhD in, it, in economics and politics, but I'm an old, I've been in politics a little bit, and I have some opinions and ideas, and sometimes a, a blue-collar man might even want to come up with a good idea, and everything I say is not etched in stone, of course, you know, but I have some ideas. I see trends, and I try to connect the dots the best I can, and I'm going to throw a few ideas out there and um, leave it for the public to see what they think, you know. You want to start with the politics first? Yeah, I think politics is always uh, interesting. So sure. So do you want to share? I mean, I'm trying to think. I guess I'll let you 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 start this. Well, let me start my tirade here or my lecture. My brother says a lecture. Lecture. Anyhow, uh, the world's been ruled by the one percent for thousands of years, and the world is changing. Even though people say it's not, it is changing. 300 years ago, most of the world was ruled by kings. I mean, think about that for a minute, you know. And then, of course, uh, we come out with the uh, Constitution, and that was started by Thomas Paine when he wrote The Rights of Man. He was eventually thrown out of England. The oligarchs didn't like him. He didn't like the people to think they had rights. And uh, the Constitution, basically, even though it's not taught in our schools, Thomas Paine was probably the, gra- the grandfather of, uh, of, 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 of our Constitution, our Republic. And now then communism came along, which I don't believe in because uh, it's a lot like fascism. It completely controls and a handful of people. And I recommend people to read uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's book, uh, Archipelago Gulag. It's a very, it's the scariest book I've ever read in my life. I've written mm-hmm. that. It shows you what can happen when government gets out of control. But I want to, before I go into things, I want to define a few things about politics in yeah, my what is, opinion. Yeah, what do we even call politics is a good one. Well, you know what it is, Mike? Right now, all the politicians, Demo- uh, the Republicans and some of the Democrats are acting like socialism is communism. You know, they used to say communist. Now they don't. They say socialist. But there is a very big difference between socialism and communism, in my opinion. And I want to explain to the public what I mean by that. Uh, communism is a system of government where... It's a handful of committee people control the whole country. There's no private, there's no private uh, property. Nobody owns property. Nobody owns land. Everything is completely owned and controlled by the government. It's a one-party system. Now they do have a committee. They vote for the committee in their set in their district, but they can only vote for a communist. It's the only party on the ballot, and the and the communist party pretty much put who they want to run anyhow. And the committee meets, I think in Russia there's 20 committees, but now I think Russia has a multi-party system, even though the Communist Party wins a lot there. Uh, so that's basically it. It's, it's a completely controlled by, by, uh, by politicians and, and, and nothing, there's no private industry, there's no private land, it's all owned by the government. Now socialism, basically, and by the way, communism does not empower the people at all. It's like, it's closer to fascism, actually. Socialism is kind of uh, and capital. Let's get into capitalism. Capitalism can be too powerful. It can get out of control. It can get to the point where it becomes like fascism. Actually, capitalism can lead to fascism if it's not kept in check. And what happens is the one percent completely takes over. If you look at the American Constitution, it's written basically to protect us against the one percent. Tyranny is when the one percent completely takes over where they own everything and they control us. 
And, you know, everybody talks about China being our enemy, Russia being our enemy. No. I hate to tell you, folks, it's your 1% that's your enemy. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that will take away your freedom. They are the ones that will take away your property. They are the ones that will pay no taxes or make you pay all the taxes. They have to be kept in check. Just like anything else, they have to be kept in check. And the Constitution of America was written to protect us against that. you got to remember, the people that came to America, they were dealing with the, with the, with the English. And the English at that time had a... a, a Bureaucracy. They had a system of aristocrats, no rights. And a matter of fact, the tea company and that also that trade company up in Canada, that fur company, I forget what it was called. These were corporations. And so the Constitution, in my opinion, was written to protect us against tyranny. Our enemy is not China. It's tyranny. And tyranny can be, well, it's happening. They want to take our guns away. Uh, that's a very dangerous thing. Stalin, made, in, in, in this book uh, that Stosinitsyn wrote, uh, Archipelago uh, Gulag, he makes a statement. He says, a society that's unarmed and weak will be enslaved. I want to repeat that. Stalin made this statement. I want everybody to be aware of this. A country that is unarmed and weak will be enslaved. So we have to think about that. The Constitution was written to protect us against tyranny. Mm-hmm. You know, the right to, the right to bear arms, a free speech, the right to assemble, uh, 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 press, a free press, all these things. And you can see what's happening in this country right now. The press is owned by five huge corporations. Yeah, they're buying them. You know, you, know, you got this thing about the, the impeachments going on in, uh, uh, in Washington. Right? They're all screaming about Trump. You know, he broke the Constitution. But, you know, a funny thing happened a couple of weeks ago. They voted on the president, uh, the Presidential Wars Act, which gives the president the power to send troops and start wars without permission from Congress. They voted on it and they couldn't overturn it. Don't you think that's more important than what's going on right now? The you see, our forefathers, they wanted 500 people to vote before we go to war. And the reason for that, it makes it harder to go to war. If one person decides if the country goes to war, it's a lot easier to get into a war. Now, these people in Washington are a bunch of hypocrites. The fact that they would not, they talk about Trump following the Constitution. Well, I think it's very important that Congress decides whether we go to war, not the president. And yet they, they wouldn't vote to bring us back to the Constitution. I think that's hypocrisy, really. I think the people in Washington, Democrats and Republicans, have betrayed the American people in many ways. Deindustrializing the nation allowing these corporations to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, every time you pick up the paper, there's a media buying another media company and they're not stopping it. And they're letting all these companies buy everything out. And yeah. that, that, that's uh, threatens democracy really, because you don't have competition. We're getting, we're going right back to the way it was in the 17 and 1600s pretty soon, you know, with, with, with a handful of people owning everything, you know, it's, it's not a good thing. So anyhow, I wanted to bring that. Now, I want to talk about socialism a little bit. Socialism basically empowers the people. It doesn't take all the power away from the rich, but they don't like it because they want to be in complete control. What it does is it, it, it allows a more play, an op- more open playing field where the people have more to say. Socialism allows a multi-party system. Socialism allows privatization. You listen to these politicians. One politician said the other day, socialism means the government owns everything. That's not true. That's not socialism. That's communism. Socialism, Eugene Debs, 
back in the 1920s and, and, and 1919, around that era, during the World War One, he was the head of the, the, the Socialist Party. And uh, World War One was great. The oligarchs loved it. They were able to destroy the, the, uh, the, the Socialist Party, and they got rid of the international workers of the world. They had an office in every – they arrested all those people because Wilson passed a law that you uh, couldn't speak out against World War One, or you go to prison for five years. And all the socialists were speaking out against the war, so they arrested all the leaders, threw them in prison, and they were brutal to them. A lot of them died in prison. Yeah. So anyhow, Debs was very upset because uh, he went to prison too. A lot of pe- uh, people were getting were, felt that the Socialist Party wasn't effective enough, and they wanted to go to communism. He was upset because he he felt he, he knew that there was a big difference between the Communist Party and the Socialist Party. Now, basically, what the Socialist Party does is it allows more power to the people. That, like I said before, it allows private property. It allows a multi-party system. It allows free enterprise. It doesn't take over companies, but it regulates. And what it does is it puts people in power that look at the country as a family. We're all in this thing together. Under strong socialism, we wouldn't have been able to get off of gold. We wouldn't have been able to move our jobs over our manufacturing overseas. A lot of in these wars, we go back to the Constitution. And this is what I believe. I, I'm basically a progressive. People tell me because I'm, I'm for certain things that are conservative, that I'm not a progressive, you know, but that's not true. I mean, I, on certain issues, see, I look at it this way. If you listen to these progressives, everything the Republicans say is wrong. And if you listen to the Republicans, everything the Democrats say is wrong, Mm. but each party has its good and bad points. The sad part about the political system today in this country, in my opinion, is which of the two evils do you want? You vote for the Democrats. They want open borders. They say they don't, but they do. They want to make, they say, well, we want to have open borders, but we're not going to make it a a felony to cross the border. We're going to make it a misdemeanor. That's open borders. They scare a lot of people about their guns. I was in a restaurant yesterday for breakfast. My brother and I go to breakfast on Sunday morning, and three different people walked in with T-shirts talking about gun laws, you know, saying how they were for the right to bear arms. It's a very strong emotional thing, and it's going to hurt the Democrats. They they really, uh, you know, if they want to get elected, they're going to have to lay off those two issues because it's actually sabotaging the progressive movement, having those those views, you know. I mean, people, are, you know, they're going to lose the South. I'll tell you that right now. I'll be, unless the demographics change enough. This is probably what they're trying to do, trying to change the demographics. I don't know. Then if you vote for the Republicans, you, they go again. Look what Don did. He gave another tax break to the rich. He is uh, gutting all the all the the, the, the environmental environmental programs. He's uh, putting more money into the war machine. So which one do you vote for? You know. And of course, the Democrats are for abortion. They think it's the holy grail for women. And it's a real, it's a real mess, you know. And now let's get into some solutions. I've, yeah, let's, I think what has to happen. Yeah, I'm sure, Mike. Go ahead. Oh no, no, keep going. Sorry. Well, uh, I think what the people are going to have to do. We're not being represented. It's very clear and very obvious. Like I said before, and I want to repeat it again. These people are screaming about the Constitution against Don, but they wouldn't give take the Constitution back and put it into the Congresses decision to go to war and that's very you know some countries it's a very serious thing to go this country it's a drop of a hat you know 
Obama announces that he wants to send troops or bomb Libya, you know, or bomb Syria. It's just, they just announce it. There's no debate anymore about it, you know? But anyhow, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, what? No, I mean, I've I've noticed there's been just more, it happens a lot faster than I remember, right? I remember there used to be more, like, decisions or, or debates, but now I just feel like there's, there's military There's no action. debates about it. There's a guy that has a TV program. His name is Chris Hedges. And he was a award-winning uh, uh, reporter for New York Times. He wanted to print an article against the Iraqi war. Now, I'm not sure if he quit. They wouldn't let him print it, number one. They said no. I don't know if they, if they threatened to fire him or if he quit. I'm not sure which of which. But they, there's, no, there, there's no two views about anything anymore. It's, what, it's like the media is just a voice for the, for the government. Look at what's happened to Julia Assange and, 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 and Manning. Manning's in prison now. Because they wanted him to uh, to uh, testify a second time, and he says, "I'm not going to. I don't have to. I've already testified." So they threw him in prison. And he's been in prison for months. It's 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 really scary what's happened. There's surveillance and this whole mindset. You know, I, I'm going to say something about this so-called security. I don't think there should be security. You know, this secret security. It should only be secret when the mission is on. Sort of lives, but once it's done, it should be to the public. Well, if you if you don't want to have the public know about it, maybe you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. There should be no secrecy, except during a mission. This secrecy thing is gonna is gonna destroy us. You know what I mean? I think we should also get rid of the CIA. They're mm. destructive. Yes, yeah, scary uh, stuff. Honestly, just get rid of them. They're just terrible. They're murderers. They're they're the cool nations. They destroy. But anyhow, uh, what, what's happening is the world is changing. A lot of people are tired of the system of oligarchies. And uh, what's happening in Venezuela and what's happening, what happened in Bolivia, I've come to the conclusion the key is they got to get the army to change, to, to go against the people, you know. And, uh, and with this world, uh, with this globalization, it's very dangerous because if they don't like a country, they can destroy it. This is what they're trying to do with Venezuela. Venezuela is a country that's a true democracy. And I'll, I'll tell you why I say that. There's more poor people in Venezuela than there are people doing well than well off. So in a true democracy, they're going to vote for a government that's to the left. The one percenters don't like it. They want complete power and control. And this is what it's all about. They're trying to stop the world from switching over to a more socialized type government where more people have more power and say in their government. What were you going to say, Mike? Yeah, I was just saying, like, so I guess there's these really rich people and they have these meetings, you know, the 1%. I guess there's these, these events and they're just in these elite. We don't hear about it, I guess, as normal people. And they're just, they're happening and owning all the major well, corporations. Well, the dangerous part about the 1% is they don't care about nothing. They don't care about the environment. They don't care about poverty. They don't care about homelessness. They don't care about unaffordable housing. These are things that socialism would address, you see. They don't address that stuff. They just want to make money. They don't care if we, they pollute the earth. Oil is their best friend, just like war is, because oil can control the people. I talked about it before when I was talking to you about delocalization. This is the key. We don't have jobs, localized jobs anymore. Our banks aren't localized. A lot of Florida's pretty good. We have some localized 
what do you call it, agriculture. But you take a state like Connecticut, what's there? All the industry left, right? There's no farming. The banks are all big banks now. And you got Walmarts, all these people, all the money's being sucked out. Okay, I'm getting off my subjects here. Let's get let's get back into politics. I think the thing about politics is we know the two party system doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Bernie Sanders, you know, to call the Democratic Party a Democratic Party is an insult to the word because they wouldn't let Bernie Sanders get on the ballot. They fought him tooth and nail. I think the oligarchs called him, called him and, and told him, "Listen, we got to keep this guy off the off the ballot." The guy from uh, Home Depot was having nightmares about Bernie Sanders being on the ballot. You know. But uh, we have to get together as, as people and, and work together. We have to form coalitions. People have to get together and form coalitions. And like, for example, we had a guy run for office in our district. He, was, he came and moved into our district. OK, I'm not going to give the name. It doesn't matter. This happens all over the country. And then he gets on the ballot and then he gets money from the outside. Five million dollars come in outside to his candidacy. What I want to see is a local guy Do everybody knows, a school principal, a doctor or somebody, everybody knows, a guy with a self, but a, that's a plumber, who knows what, and he wants to run for Congress, and we get him on the ballot, and he runs. Now, talking about the ballot, in other words, we have to form coalitions, people's coalitions for jobs and for, it's got to be done. Uh, what's happening right now in two parts of the country, I'll talk about uh Kingston, I think it's called Kingston, New York. I'm jumping back and forth from politics to jobs. What they're doing there is they're forming coalitions and they're starting to form their own businesses. I don't know how deep it's going if they're making their own banks, but there's businesses and housing. And because the oligarchy, you know, they have no, they don't care. They don't care if they lay off 10,000 people and move the plant to Timbuktu. It doesn't care to them. What matters is the bottom line that they make money for the people in the stock market. The, the local people, they don't care about. They have no regard for us. But anyhow, uh, getting back to politics, we have to we have a very closed political system. The Democrats and Republicans control uh, the ballot, the ballot box. They think it belongs to them. The ballot box does not belong to the Democratic and Republican Party. It belongs to the American people. And we have to take it back. Now, most countries don't have the system we have. They have an open ballot runoff election. And that means in some countries, they might have as many as 20 people running for one office. You get a lot of local people running for office, and then you have a runoff election. Whoever gets the two top vote, I wouldn't say anybody gets more than 50%. You take the two top vote getters and they go in the runoff election, and then you have a second election. Get rid of the primaries. Second of all, the people themselves in each district can pick their congressman. Eventually, Senate, after a couple of years, the people will know that good politicians like Bernie Sanders is very popular in, in Vermont, and he's an independent because he's not owned. He, I remember him when he was running for when he was a congressman, when I ran for office in the 90s. No, he's a U.S. senator, and now he's running for president. Interesting. But uh, what we need to do is have an open ballot runoff election. Now, see... What happens to what system we have now is the independent candidate is the spoiler. In other words, if the Democrats hate uh, Ralph Nader, they said that he made them so they couldn't win the election because he drew enough votes away from the Democrats. Perot, the same thing. He drew votes away. And also, if you have a strong third party candidate without a runoff election, he can draw some electoral votes. 
Uh, I mean, you won't draw the electoral votes, but it'll draw more popular votes. Now, everybody talks about Don losing by, by winning with minus three million votes. President Clinton, the first election, I think, only got 38 percent of the popular vote because Perot got 36. Yeah, I've heard And he, yeah. with a runoff election, you have to have to, for the Electoral College to be really effective. And I believe in the Electoral College, and I'll tell you why in a minute. The Electoral College has to have two candidates. You can't have another candidate that can disrupt things. The Democrats and Republicans should not be allowed to pass laws to restrict the ballot they have no right to control the ballot. They have only one right, and that is to be on the ballot. They control the polling stations. And let me tell you something. They monkey around with the vote. They do stuff over there. I was, in, I went, I was living in Portland, and I went to the library. They had an election. Listen to this. And I'm sure this is the tip of the iceberg. I walked in, and uh, they, Connecticut has steel voting machines. And the machines have a line. I don't know if you ever voted in Connecticut. I don't know if you were voting it. You, you voted in Connecticut, right? You know how they have the mechanical machines. Jersey, oh, yeah. New York, when I was that age. Oh, they have mechanical voting machines, Mike, and they have a list of names lined up on the machine. But unlike a ballot, they took all the independents and put them on the bottom. So if you see a list of names and it stops, you figure that's the end. For some reason, I looked down. I don't know why. There to where all the independents were at the bottom. This is a criminal act. It is a criminal act because if people look at the line of names, they see the lane stop and they, they, they figure that's all. And they didn't know they were on the bottom. I look because I'm, I've been an independent and I know how these guys work. They did some strange things with me. You know, when I got 15% of the vote at the green party, the next day, they didn't list me in the paper. They didn't even list the, the damn vote in the paper. And, and they wouldn't list me in the, as being a candidate. And, and, and they, they do shenanigans, these people. So, yeah, this uh, this thing about the Democrats and Republicans controlling the ballot box, it's got to stop. We need to have open open uh, ballot. Twenty people can run for Congress. Who cares? Many people don't want to run. They could, the newspapers could give a section each day to get a different issue. Taxes, war, and each candidate would be allowed to make their statement. See, the Democrats and Republicans don't want that. That would be too fair. They want everybody to believe that everybody else is illegitimate candidates. They're very scared now because uh, after Jesse Ventura won there, they really restrict the ballots. They wouldn't allow Pearl got 26% of the vote, the first election or 23%. He was not allowed in the, the second debates when he ran. That is not democracy. The green party runs every year and they have to petition practically every year to get on the ballot. No country in the world would allow that. The green party would be on the ballot all across the country. This is how they can control the political system. And then on top of that, they control the Democratic Party, the high levels. They control both major parties now. They can't lose. So, and then also the voter registrar. I think, oh, at the polling stations, Democrats and Republicans do not control. You have a group of people that swear their allegiance to the American people, the Constitution, and the election. And they cannot be party affiliates. And or if they are to have a, a mix of a lot of independents, in other words, bust it up. Don't have just Democrats or Republicans running those polling stations. Break it up. Also, the, the, the voter registrar is either a Democrat or Republican. I don't like that either. Also, the voter, uh, the state, <clears throat> the, the secretary of state. I called him and call, I had a hard time getting. He called me back twice. I finally connected with him and I had two questions for him. I says, uh. My first question, he answered right away, and he said, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I says, when we have a referendum on the ballot, which is when people vote on an issue, 
don't write it so complicated because I've seen people spend 45 minutes voting. They read these referendums and they're confused. You know, they use, they use lawyer jargon, you know, and you got to have a PhD in law to understand the damn question. You know, he says, yes, you're right. You're right. The second question, he never let me finish. He says, it's not going to happen. And it was a very, very uh, uh, reasonable request. I said, no, no more abbreviations of parties on the ballot. Not going to happen. Now, you see, when you put a party that you don't know the name, you see a bunch of letters, you don't know what it stands for. It could be the, the gun right law party of Florida, the right to life party of Florida, the socialist party of Florida. They won't allow that on a ballot. They abbreviate. So if you get a party, you don't know what its name is. You can't tell what the name of the party is because it's abbreviated. You see what I mean? This is when you have control that the Democrats and Republicans have right now. They control the whole system from bottom down, you know? Uh, who was it? It was, like also, early, it was an early president that said, like, don't he didn't believe in political parties. Was it Washington? Or it Jefferson? was uh, George Washington. He says the political parties will put will put themselves above the nation. And it's what's happening right now. The Democrats want immigration, open immigration, because they know if they get all these minorities in that they're going to favor them because they let them come in. And, they, 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 they you know. Yeah, it's 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 not a good thing because they put they put the party of look what's happening in Washington. When Obama got voted, a bunch of Republicans got together and they said, we're going to make sure nothing gets passed while Obama's in there. We're going to make sure nothing's done so they'll vote for Republican. Now the Democrats are doing the same thing to the, to the, to Republicans. They could just keep going after each other, you know, and it's gotten so bad. And just like uh, Tulsi Gobbert said, this impeach impeachment thing is not going to be a good thing because now when a Democrat gets in, the Republicans are going to try to impeach them. Mm. And they can find something. They can. The president makes hundreds of decisions. You know, and it, one of those decisions might be a little wrong or misguided. It's possible, you know. You talk about impeachment, I think a man should be impeached for starting a war with lies and mm. changing the information of the war. There was an FBI. I'm not going to give the guy's name. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to, I'm just going to talk about principles here. There was a president we had recently that actually changed the FBI report to get his war. And then we went to war and they didn't have weapons of mass destruction. That's impeachable. That's really impeachable. To me, the greatest crime is a lie to war. When you lie a country into a war, you cost thousands of lives, tens of thousands of wounded men for the rest of their lives without arms, legs, and their faces blown off. Uh, tremendous debt. The country that you're going to war, we leveled these countries, destroyed their cities, caused millions of people to move out of their country so there was nothing left. That's a serious crime. Yeah, definitely. And yet they looked the other way. Well, that's Pelosi says, oh, it's okay. It would cause disruption if we, if we, but boy, Don makes one phone call and they're jumping up and down screaming against the Constitution. He's good against the Constitution, but they didn't even got the guts to give the Congress the power of war back. I mean, there's such a bunch of hypocrites in Washington. It's disgusting, really, you know? Yeah, I agree. But anyhow, that's what we got to do. We got to open ballots. Also, no politician should change laws to restrict the ballot. Now, they passed a lot of laws in Connecticut. I mean, in Florida. When uh, Christie ran for governor, he had left the Republican Party. And he ran as an independent. Now they passed the law. If you lease their parties, you got to wait a year now before you can run for office. That's bullshit. They make it harder to petition. You shouldn't have to petition. You want to run for office, you run for office. You know, the two-time vote getters going all wrong. Oh, I'm going to tell you one more thing that people in this country don't know. 
France and most of the world has open ballot runoff election. We have one of the most controlled political systems in the world, even more so than Russia, because Russia now has open ballot runoff election. But uh, in France, Macron, who won, and Le Pen, who ran against him in the runoff election, were not major party candidates. They were minor party candidates. You see, the French mm. were mad at the, their, their Democrat and Republican Party, and they just skirted right around them. See, we can't do that. They set the system up so we're locked in, Got you it. know? Interesting. Okay. So many. Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure no, we get a little get bit about the economy before maybe. We'll, yeah, yeah, that's important. I get going on politics. I've talked half an hour on politics. Yeah, maybe just. <laughs> yes, like about the economy. Yeah, I think what we need to do, we have to understand that there's a war going on right now in this country and around the world right now. The world has changed. Like I said before, the world 300 years ago was ruled both basically by uh, kings and queens, and then we went to. Thomas Paine started the rights, and then we went to communism, which, so it's gone. It's, it's, but right now, what we're trying to, a lot of these countries are trying to do is have a democratic socialism. Now, democratic socialism, the elites and the corporations don't like because they can't control countries. A country that has a democratic socialism is going to be a country that's going to protect its resources. So there's a war going on right now. And uh, one of the things is this globalism is it hurts a lot of countries. They deindustrialized America. We're in trouble, in my opinion. And we need to bring back jobs, and we have to do it within ourselves. The oligarchs and the corporations are not going to do that. They like to, to delocalize because it empowers them. And we're becoming, we're becoming very, very vulnerable. But the city in Kingston is doing that. The people are getting together, forming coalitions, and they're starting companies, and they're starting. This is what we got to do here. Imagine if everybody in Florida put up 100 bucks. 100 bucks. You got 26 million people, that'd be $2.6 billion. We get together, we form coalitions for politics, we form coalitions for jobs, we start employee owned seed companies or co ops. Now, it's not the same. Now, communism was collective. There's a big difference between a co-op and a collective. A collective is owned by the government. They had collective farms in, in, in Russia, but the people didn't own the farms. They worked for the government. They were collective farms. Co-op farms, the people own the farm. They're owners. Co-op businesses, co-op housing. Now, in Jackson, Mississippi, the black leaders are really doing something. They're, not, they're tired of criticizing the system. They're doing something. They're getting together and they're buying up land right now. Now, what's happening is the blacks in, 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 uh, in Jackson, Mississippi are totally ignored. The government won't help them. The locals won't help them. Just, they've got to turn to themselves. And there's new leadership there to say, okay, there's strength in unity. When people get together, you have strength, just like the unions. This is why the Jewish people do so well, because they're unified. They help each other. This is what we got to do. We've got to form co-ops. And what's happening in Jackson is they're buying up all the land in the inner city because corporate America is very racist. They won't build – Walmarts will not build Walmarts in black sections of cities. They, they, maybe because they're afraid of the riots, whatever it is, but they, they won't build jobs in their areas. They won't put housing. They, look at look at the, uh, that town uh, where they had the riots there. When, uh, what, what was it called? That uh, town in Missouri. I forget. Anyhow. There was 52% unemployment among the men there. That's a perfect place to build a factory. You know, get all these people unemployed. But what they're doing is they're, they're buying up the land and they're going all out. They're even going to have their own banks. They're going to have their own money system. 
They're going to have their own housing, co-op housing. They're going to have co-op farming. They're going to have co-op business. This is what they're planning on doing. And Kingston, New York's doing the same thing. The people have to work, get together, because the rich man's never going to help you. He's going to beat you down. He's going to suck the blood out of you, your money out of you. He's going to control you. He'll never be on your side. And he has no loyalty to you or your country or anybody else. It's all about him. We have to get together, and not in a violent sense. I'm not talking violence here. If anything, the rich man will probably turn on us, pass laws where we can't do stuff. Matter of fact, the people in, in, in Jackson are expecting the state to stop them, even though they're not taking one nickel of, of government money from the town, the state, or the government. Not one nickel. They're going to do this all on their own. They're expecting trouble. They're expecting the the the, the, the one percenters to pass laws where they can't do this, they can't do that. So they can't, you know what I mean? They're expecting it. And you have to expect that from the rich man because he wants to be in control and power. So that's what we got to do. We got to get together and in a peaceful manner, pool, pool our money, get the banks localized, uh, get the jobs localized, have co-op housing where we own the houses. You have a housing project. Or I like apartment. I have a nice apartment house, maybe build it downtown where you don't, you can have everything where you don't have to get in the car to do everything. There's got to be some planning and we have to get together and work together. And then uh, we do those things. It all has to do with us getting unified. As long as we're not unified, we'll never get anywhere. And I want to warn the Chinese out there, be careful of that 1%. There's more billionaires in China than anywhere else in the world. Those are the people that are going to take away your standpoint. Those are the people that are going to enslave you. Be careful. Don't let them get in power. You know, Got it. it's going to be hard to stop it, but they will probably try to wheel their way and maybe corrupt the government because they have so much money. It's a hard thing to do to stop the rich from taking over because they have. And today there's so much money out there. It's scary, really. There's trillions of dollars. They have investor groups that have hundreds of billions of dollars at their at their fingertips. You know, if we put a progressive president in there like like a Bernie Sanders or, or, or a Elizabeth Warren, we have enough investor groups. They could just start selling stock and cause the economy to crash and say, see, socialism doesn't work. They say, well, socialism doesn't work. Look at Venezuela. Well, what they don't tell you is they've been having, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, embargoes for years. They, won't even, they wouldn't even let Venezuela take, Venezuela wanted their gold. They said, no, these people are, are, are bandits and pirates. Venezuela asked England for their gold. They said, no, they had $1.5 billion worth of gold. Venezuela wants their gold and it's in your country. They should have their gold. You should give it to them. They wouldn't give them the gold. This is how corrupt these people are, these corporations and these oligarchs. They're choking Venezuela because they want Venezuela's oil. Venezuela's got some of the biggest oil reserves in the world. What we should be doing is trying to get off of oil. But the corporations, the bankers, and the oligarchy, they like oil. It makes them a lot of money and and it can control us because our like I said, we have to localize everything. We have to localize energy, too, and it can be done. Now, you know what's going to happen with electric cars. They're going to make them out of lithium, the batteries, and make them exclusive and expensive. They're making batteries out of carbon. There's a lot of new ideas about carbon. Matter of fact, the miners could be used. The coal from the mines could be used for the carbon batteries, and there's just tons of coal miners going out of work. We could use them to mine the coal again, and we use that for batteries. Makes they're going to make it so that it takes well, – the batteries will last five years and it'll cost $5,000 and it'll take half a day to remove the batteries out of the car. That's what they're going to do. What they could do is have carbon batteries that are very reasonable, make the batteries so you can exchange them real easy. Uh, you could buy a car without even batteries in it. You could release the batteries from a car company. 
I mean, from a battery company. When you buy your new car, you don't even have to have batteries in it. Do you know there was, an, uh, there was a patent right now for electric cars? The mm. electric motor is inside the wheel. Inside the wheel. This patent was 100 years ago. What it is, you know what a planetary gear is? It's a ring, but gears inside of it. Okay. And you put a smaller gear inside of it, a pinion gear, and that's where the electric motor is. It's in a contained unit inside the wheel. Now, you can still remove the tire, but, you know, this way here, you don't have no axle, no rear end, no transmission, because electric doesn't need a transmission. Electric, diesel, electric trains, electric and steam, you need no transmission. There's so much torque that you don't need to have cycles in the engine and RPMs. You have instant power at any RPM. Imagine what that would cost to build a car like that. There'd be nothing to it. Mm. The only thing with electric cars would last 50 to 100 years. And if anything went wrong, you'd just take that whole hub off bring it to the dealership or go to a parts place and exchange it for a rebuild and slide it back in. It'd be too simple. And the batteries slide them out. You would have, instead of having gas stations, you'd have fueling stations. Yeah. You could have steam powered cars. Steam is very powerful, you know, and with the new alloys we have today, you wouldn't have the corrosion. You could somehow seal the system. So the moisture doesn't go into the air. It gets condensed and reused again. And steam is extremely, you know, the, the Pikes Peak at first, when the steam power cars used to beat the gasoline power cars all the time because steam has torque. And, uh, oh, I want to talk about one more thing. I'm getting off sure, into a I new subject. Maybe now. I, know, topic I want then, to talk about, yeah. I want to talk about agriculture a little bit. We're going past the half hour, but, you know, it's a funny thing. You read about, you know, how the world's going to starve and there's going to be no food and everything. But, you know, right now we have corn farmers producing thousands of acres of corn and they're putting it into the gasoline because they can't sell the corn. You know, all those fields are being used to grow corn that they're pumping into our gas tanks. You know, China right now, nobody's talking about it, but China, if they play their cards right, they can, they can be exporting food in a couple of years. China built three of the largest dams in the world and they have vast deserts to the West. If they pumped that water out to the West, they could turn that into a huge, uh, uh, like they did in California after they built the Hoover Dam, you know? Yeah. And uh, also, a funny thing happened. I was traveling around the country 30 years ago. I went, I traveled the whole country for six months, and I went to the Hoover Dam, and I saw cars driving over the Hoover Dam, and I didn't like it. I just I pulled over. I talked to one of these employees that worked there, and she says, you know, you shouldn't have cars driving over that dam. It's too dangerous. What if one of them has an atomic bomb in a trunk? <laughs> and now I didn't say I did. I was responsible. But now traffic does not go over the dam. I'm not saying my saying that changed. <laughs> yeah. But here's what I want the public to know. Here's something that I found out that floored me. I says, you know, and the guy answered right away. Knew the answer right away, which amazed me because I didn't think it would have the answer. I says, sir. He says, what? I says, look. Uh, when the Colorado River flows into Lake Mead behind Hoover Dam, the water is all muddy and brown. Yet when it flows out beneath the dam, it comes out crystal clear. That means that you're leaving deposits in a dam, silt deposits. I says, how long will it take for the dam to fill up with silt? 300 years. I was in shock how quick he answered that. But, you know, lately I've been thinking, you know, everybody's talking about there's problems now with fertilizer. They're finding, they're having a hard time finding potash. I think potash is a normal, is that a normal or is that from the bones of animals? I'm not sure. There's a certain element they use in fertilizer that's supposed to be important and they're running out of it. Here's the source right there, Mike. If we could set up a private company or even the government could set up dredging units 
next to railroad carts. They could have a barge come out there with, and load the, the railroad carts with the silt from these dams. And you know, silt is rich in mineral. And our soil is tired because it has no mineral. And then you take the human waste from all these cities and you bring it out to the desert too and let it dry and mix it with the silt. Now you have a natural organic fertilizer and you mix it with the silt that's high in mineral content. That means all the trace elements. I mean, you've got a tremendous source of fertilizer that's natural. It doesn't have to be you know, really processed. It doesn't have to be mined or anything like that. It's labor intensive, but that's good too because it would make jobs. But think about that for a minute. All the dams we have in this country are going to eventually fill up. We're going to stop that from happening and we can use that silt to make soil, mixing with human bio waste and animal waste and mixing it all together and making it extremely rich soil. You know? Sure. Energy. Energy. We're talking about solar panels and wind. That's good, but there's two other sources that are even more reliable. Ocean currents are tremendous and powerful. Harness the ocean currents. Tides up falling, or mean the tides drop 20 feet. What if you built huge barges and hooked them up to generators? And as the tide went up and down, it would run the generators. Geothermal is the ultimate because you drill a pipe down. Now, the Earth's surface is only five to seven miles thick. I thought it was 60 miles thick, but it is not. The Earth is 8,000 miles in diameter, okay? I mean, yeah, across or diameter. Make an inch equal a 1,000 miles. That would mean an eight-foot spear, an eight-inch spear, and you know how thick the surface of the Earth would be if one inch equals a 1,000 miles and you've got five to seven miles thickness on the Earth? It's the thickness of two for a tin for, uh, aluminum foil together. That's how much, that's how thin the surface, Earth's and the surface is. We're floating on top of a huge magna source. The center of the Earth is hotter than the sun. All we have to do is drill down deep enough to get heat. Now, you don't want to go into the magna. You could be well away from the magna. I was reading the Russians were experimenting with deep drilling and they, they were melting drill bits. You got to remember, lava is liquefied rock. A blast furnace is contained in rock to give you an idea how hot that lava is. We could also build our geothermals near volcanoes. If the volcano has a vent that's coming, coming up, we could go close to the vent. You bring a pipe straight down, maybe five miles or four miles. I think it's a mile deep. Uh, miners that go that mine gold, I think it's 130 degrees or something at, at a mile down into the earth. But then you put a pipe at an angle that hooks up to that pipe and you put a check valve. So that water can only flow or steam in one direction. You pipe it down. Now you've got an endless supply of steam that can make electricity and hydrogen because electricity, hydrogen is made through running a current through water. And now it won't cost money to make fuel because the energy source is free. Now there'll be maintenance problems, of course, but to make hydrogen today, you've got to use oil or some other things. But see, now we have four sources of energy, four. And, uh, even cars, there's several ways to propel a car. I was reading about a guy that had a car that was running from compressed air. Hmm. Compressed air. He put enough air in there. Now, supposedly, the tank was at 4,500 PSI. Now, that is a high pressure, but you build the tank to take it. And he could supposedly go 1,000 miles and do 80 miles an hour with a light car. But even if you can only go uh, uh, 500 miles, and you can only do 60. That's 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 even better than electric because you can just all you need is compressed air. 
you would have fueling stations instead of gas stations. They would sell hydrogen, compressed air, battery charges, and even exchange, exchange of batteries. So you'd have the batteries so you could either charge them or you can exchange them. Now, China has already beaten the system. They've made gasoline cars obsolete already. And this is a couple of years ago. Warren Buffett was, was bought out this company. Uh, they, were, they were supposed to come into America, and I guess they stopped them, the oil companies. Here's what it is. They have a car that can go 300 miles on a charge, okay? But on a quick charge, 15 minutes, they can go what is it, 75%. What's 75% of uh, 300? 225 miles? About that, That's yeah. the end of gasoline-powered cars. That's the end of gasoline-powered cars. But they won't bring it into the market. See, so there's a lot of innovation out there, but you see, when you have corruption, innovation is stopped. One percent want to make sure that we are controlled. The controlling is, and we're in a very dangerous situation in America right now. You know, we, we our jobs are all leaving. All these big factories are moving them to foreign countries. Big banks, our food is grown far away. Uh, Everything is all spread out instead of okay. being in a city, and the city so surrounded by farmland. We maybe we can wrap up with some, yeah, some closing yeah, yeah. closing ideas or remarks. But I wanted to bring those, yeah, those ideas about the soil, and I want to bring the ideas about energy. I want to throw that in too. No, it makes sense. But, it uh, makes sense. but the, basically, what we need to do, Mike, is form coalitions. Now, on these coalitions, whether it's a company, we can have universities help us. Let's say people need, you know, guidance in their coalitions. A university could help them and the states could help them you know the state of florida gave uh, one year 1.5 billion dollars to all these companies that promised jobs what if we took that 1.5 billion and started co-ops or employee-owned seacom just start small if it fails it isn't that bad you know some company i want to finish on one thing there's a very successful co-op it was formed uh 30 or 40 years ago it's called Moron. It's in Spain, just like Jacksonville, Mississippi. This is a section of Maine where everybody, the corporations, everybody ignored these people. So priests got together with the people and he said, okay, first we're going to form schools so people can read and do mathematics. Then they started a small company with five people, a co-op owned by the people. Now this isn't shares that share shares that they can take away when they change the deals. These people were the owners and they made the decisions. You know, they have over a hundred thousand people belong to that co-op today and they make some of the most sophisticated equipment. They make stuff for Microsoft last I knew. And they're all over the world. And the most important thing in this co-op is not profits. It is providing good jobs for their employees. And they don't lay off. They'll cut back the hours or they'll move to another plant or they'll start a new plant so people have jobs. Second is profits, but it's not the first thing. The okay. CEOs, they like to have from within their organization. And they can only make eight times as much as the average wage. They don't make 300 times as much. I know I'm going on way past my time here. Yeah, we're a little <laughs> so, over here. Me. Yeah, I'm up to 45 minutes. You know me, I can go and go. Yeah, and... I remember. But anyhow, in ending, can I, I want to make an ending statement to all the people out there listening to this. Listen, folks, I'm not a genius. I don't have big degrees, but I, I see that there's a need for change out there. I think we all agree on that. We need, and I think the biggest problem is we have to unify. The Romans had a symbol they used to carry with them. It was a stack of sticks tied together, and it simplified unity. When you have one stick, you break up the stack, each stick can be broken over your knee. They're weak. But when all the sticks are wrapped together, you can't break them. This is what we need to do. We need to get together as people on a local level, 
and take it from there, whether it's politics or whether it's jobs, we have to take control of our lives because right now we're being controlled. Agreed. Well, that's a great way to end it. I know. I mean, that's what we even try to do with the show. We try to get people, you know, informed and, and, uh, and, you know, hopefully try to bring them together certain times or events and other ways. So thanks so much for the sharing. Oh, Gary, it's great to have you back on. Thanks for letting me talk, Mike. I really appreciate it. I know I don't, I'm not right on everything, but just throw some ideas out there. Maybe some of them will culminate. Yeah. There I was mean, a college professor perspective here that told, yeah, they're teaching these kids in college. Anybody with ideas is wrong because ideas can make more problems. That's what they're being taught in college. Oh, they, no. They're also taught there's no such thing as common sense. And I've had several people approach me and I was running for office and says, Oh, I took a political science course in, in, in college, and they told me there's nothing you can do about the political system. So this is what they're teaching them in college mm, right now. <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, Alpha Rock Capital. Stepping it up, making business deals with us at Global Media, supporting what we're doing here. If you're interested in getting into a fund of Amazon businesses, there's a portfolio of 10 brands and growing. We're actually, I'm a partner and we're currently doing a capital raise. If you're looking to invest in a passive investment to get exposure to this growing Amazon FBA world, we would love to hear from you. We're doing webinars more regularly. People are enjoying that at www.alpharockcapital.com slash webinar. Thank you, Uncle Gary, for coming on. I think he'd be down for another, but we'll give it a break for a while. I uh, I hope I hope all the listeners. I know when I've uh, I've met people and I've heard from emails and I've gotten feedback. A lot of people like these perspectives, and it's true. I mean, mass media doesn't 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 listen to people like Uncle Gary. And I remember from all the holidays and the arguments in the family of political and economic views. And he is a very unique thinker. And uh, he, he reads a lot, and he, he watches a lot of interesting TV uh, perspectives. So I hope he enjoys this podcast, and I hope you enjoyed episode 288. Why are going far into these shows? And this airport is... It's the thing about China. It's just so many people, right? That's just a story that we keep hearing is the huge amount of people. And if I could get one RMB from every single Chinese person... Well, I'd be a multi-billionaire, almost two, maybe, I don't know, was it two billion people or one and a half billion people, something like that? <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm just getting a little exposure to this, but have a connection in Shenzhen Airport. Just for a couple hours, can't see any of my friends down in Shenzhen, and then bouncing down to Manila. I've been having these rough flights where I don't get to uh, connect. I have to get out of the airport get a new ticket and go fun through fun security and i can imagine i'm carrying podcasts and cameras and i might look like a t-e-r-r-o-i-s-t uh they always double check my bags because these are kind of heavy uh heavy equipment and uh part of the game part of the game so we're boarding a little bit soon and I'm going to try to catch up on some work, upload these videos to the cloud. Our amazing Alvin editor is going to make these happen. So many cool shows coming up. I mean, next week is a fun one. I mean, we, you know, we got some really special guests, so I hope you enjoy these shows. And also, of course, Cross Border Summit coming up. We have our membership, gfavip.com. For those hardcore members that really want to interact with the community, and I'm going to be dumping even more value into that because 
while I will keep up these amazing free shows, I'm going to double down with even more premium, valuable, private content there. So, and there's a huge amount of stuff happening in Global Information's websites. I've been spinning off websites from it because it's just so big. Most of you say you can't figure out what we even do. Somebody just kind of peeling off stuff. And it's going to be purely community podcasts and, and uh, premium membership. Well, we're spinning off the Amazon directory, seller directory. We're spinning off the uh, other service directories into the other websites because it's just too much. And we'll see. Hopefully that works. You know, Got to take some chances in life. And uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Hope you're having an amazing new year already. Peace. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.